And so in the first uh, two weeks, I've talked about several issues. I talked about the fact that for many of us, we have been huddling up for years in church. Huddling up for years, meaning we go to church, we hear the message, we, we get charged up, but we never go to the line of scrimmage and effectively go out in the world and talk to the world about Jesus Christ. And effectively, the very reason that you have been saved, the very reason that God has called you is that God expects you to be his hands and his feet. He expects you to be his, his messenger to the world. And so we need to understand that. And we focused in the earlier weeks about how much God cares for the lost. You know, we focused on Luke 15. Uh, and in that passage, we saw several examples of how God's heart burns for the lost. Certainly the prodigal son uh, indicates that. And the good Samaritan indicates that. And the woman with the lost coin indicates that. All these issues mean that God will go out and do whatever he can to bring in the lost. And we know that when one lost person comes to salvation, there is a celebration in heaven. And how God wants you to be a part of that celebration. And so we understand, we talked about it, that you may in fact be risking your reputation, that some of your friends may, may not understand what you're doing, but God knows what you're doing. And God wants you to, uh, to honor him. And so today, as we finish this series, we're going to talk about the nature of the conversation itself. What are the specifics that you need to address when you have that conversation about who Jesus is and when you talk to the lost? And so how you raise this topic of faith will effectively be dependent upon your, your personality and your own style of evangelism. Each of us has a separate talent pool. Each of us are called in a different way to do this. Uh, but whatever your style is, do not miss this point. You are called. God expects you to go out into the world and speak about Christ uh, and to let people know who Jesus is. And sometimes that may uh, really include a risk, uh, but God wants you to do it anyway. And so we talked about this, that we are the salt of the world. That's what Jesus has called us. And so it's not enough to have high-potency salt. It requires proximity. Salt only works when it's next to the meat that it's, that it's supposed to improve. And that's what we are. So God has called us to be salt, but we can't be salt uh, unless we are out being with people who need to be touched by the, the salt. So as we talk about our faith, as we talk about who Jesus is, we need to clearly communicate. And that's what this message is about today, teaching you to communicate clearly, thinking ahead, preparing yourself. How will you speak about what Jesus means to you? How will you speak about what God means to you? You just don't go out in a fog and then wait, some, wait for something to come into your head. You don't do that. You prepare. You think about it. You practice it. Uh, and you, you do this through sound bites, through small pieces of information that you can uh, readily communicate to people who need to hear about what sin has caused. That's what this is about. The world doesn't recognize that they are waddling in sin and, and swimming in a sea of sin. It's up to us to tell them, and it's then up to us to tell them about forgiveness, about the life preserver that Jesus has given us. That's our responsibility. Um, and so one of the things that you need to articulate is that your life has been leagues better since you came to Christ that your old life can never compare to your new life. And so you need to convey this to people 
who definitely need to understand this. And that's our call, and that's what this is about. And so, as I, I communicate this to you, uh, and I want you to realize that you can get these notes. You can speak to my wife, who will make the notes available to you. Everything that we do is recorded, uh, naplesgathering.org, and so you can go back and review what we've said in the prior two weeks, and that probably would be a good idea. But there are three general methods, three general methods in which you can start a spiritual conversation. Uh, and, and so uh, the first is uh, the direct method, the direct method. Uh, and so when you talk about the direct method, the question is that you directly bring up the subject. You bring it up to someone. You directly bring it up. Um, and, and one of the things you can talk about in that is who is God? Who is God? How do you define who God is? And you begin to explain those issues. Um, and, and one of the ways that Jesus did this, you see this so well defined with Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman. Now, there he was with a woman who didn't understand who, what the new covenant was, didn't understand who Jesus was, but Jesus there opened the door by telling her he had living water, that she would never have thirst again. He was the direct uh, avenue to bringing that issue up. Uh, and so this intrigued her. When she heard this, she was intrigued, and so she drilled down and wanted to know more. And so this is a way for you to start a conversation with people directly about this. And so there's other spiritual starters. You know, one of them is, I'm curious, do you ever think about spiritual matters? You'll be surprised when you talk to a friend uh, that you have a relationship with and you bring that up. Have you ever thought about spiritual matters? You'll be surprised how many people will begin to engage you in a conversation that you wouldn't have expected. They are waiting for people like us to address these issues. Uh, then you can ask them, do you, do you know who Jesus is? Do you ever think about who Jesus is? And that's the opportunity when they begin to say that, well, you know, I think Jesus was a great teacher, uh, a prophet, and that's your opportunity to then say, no, he was much more than that. He was much more than that. He was the son of God. Uh, he's the only man who ever defeated death. He had 500 eyewitnesses that saw him walk around for 40 days. Nobody else in the history of the world ever did that. That is who Jesus is. And Jesus has told us that there's no way to God except through him. Now, you deliver something like that as succinctly as I've just done, I'm going to tell you, you're going to get the attention of people. They're going to get the attention of people, and you need to be able to do that. And you'll say to somebody, well, what is your spiritual background? Tell me about your spiritual background. And inevitably, when you do that, people will talk about the fact, well, I used to go to church when I was a kid. I went to Sunday school. I'm, in a, I'm some part of a denomination, but I'm, I'm not happy with church. Be prepared for that. I don't like church. Church turns me off. And that's when you should say church turns me off, too. I'm not happy with church. I'm not a religious person, but I believe in Jesus, all right? And I want a church that uplifts Jesus Christ. I'm not, interesting in pre I'm not interested in preaching church. I'm interested in preaching Christ and using the church. And that's your opportunity. You understand? That's your opportunity to engage people like that. And they'll be shocked. They'll be shocked to hear you say things like that. They will be absolutely astonished. And then you say, well, where do you think you're headed? with your spiritual journey. Where are you going? And, you know, most people have never been engaged in a discussion like that. They haven't ever, ever been asked that question, and now you ask them that question. And now you'll be able to talk to them uh, freely. Uh, and remember, this is all done in love. 
We don't do this in, in a judgmental style. And the last thing you should say is, you know, you're going to hell. All right? Nobody wants to hear that. It's unnecessary. All right? It's unnecessary. Rather, I would, I would want to bring people in a loving relationship to understand who Christ is. And then here's a way to begin this discussion. Talk about the Bible. How about that? What do you think about the Bible? And somebody will say, well, I think it's a bunch of fables. You know, it's a, it's, uh, I don't really believe You don't really believe it. Well, let me tell you a few stories. Here's something you could say about the Bible. You could say, do you know that the Bible is 66 different books written by 40 different people who really didn't know each other, never, never confirmed what they were writing about over 1,500 years in three separate continents, and when you read the Bible from the beginning to the end, there's one continuous line. Jesus Christ, our Savior, died on the cross for our sins. I don't care if it's Genesis to Revelation. That's what the Bible is about. And when you talk about the Bible, you'll be able to say things like, are you aware that the Bible is an unbelievably prophetic book? There are, there are passages in the Bible, uh, when you look in the book of Daniel, that gave you indications 700 years before Christ would be born that he would walk into Jerusalem to the very day that he would walk in. Only the Bible does that. And are you aware that David, who was one of the greatest prophets of all time, wrote in Psalm 22, 1,000 years before Christ would be crucified, 800 years before crucifixion would be invented, David demonstrated precisely how Christ would be crucified, right down to the very fact that his clothing would be gambled over and that his bones wouldn't be broken. What other book can do this? This is how you engage people. When you engage them like this. Now, look, you're hearing me do this, and I've prepared over my lifetime to speak like that. And I prepare, you know, part of my life as a lawyer was that I learned to speak in sound bites. But I'm no different than you. You can do this. You can practice. You can work on this. And you need to do it. So when these opportunities come, you don't go, oh, I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. Instead, you want to show people that you're prepared to have these discussions. And then we have the indirect method. We gave you the direct method, then there's the indirect method. And the indirect method is you don't lead the conversation, you wait for an opportunity. Uh, and somebody might say to you, how are you doing? You'll say, well, I'm doing pretty well, you know, in terms of my family, but spiritually God has been great to me. Really? What does that mean, spiritually God has been great? And then you talk about it. And one of the things you can talk about is that God gave you this church, all right? He gave me a church. He gave me a spiritual family that loves me and cares for me. That's a spiritual gift of God. People in the world don't understand what something like this means, that you can be part of a spiritual family. And you see, that's how you do that. But you wait. You wait for an opportunity. And when it comes, you walk through it. Uh, you steer the conversation. And one of the things you can do when people talk about this, and you, you know, whether it's at a diner or you, you're at some social event, one of the things that you can say to people is this. You can talk about the fact that because you're a Christian, God is steering every aspect of your life. You understand? In other words, you're not walking, you're not getting up in the morning and, and you're, you're in a game show in which you're being bounced about in every way. 
But instead, your life is being directed by the creator of the universe because you've given him your life and you've said, God, direct me, take me, open the doors that have to be opened and close the doors. Do you realize what that means when you tell someone that doesn't understand who God is, that the God of the universe is taking your hand and walking you through life? Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to have that relationship that every step of your life is guided by God, that he directs your paths, that he opens the doors, that you don't do a thing. You don't buy a house. You don't start a relationship. You don't do a thing unless you ask God what is his will for you, and he will tell you. Tell somebody that. Oh, I want to hear more about that. That's amazing. I can't believe that. Yes, that's important. That's exactly how God wants us to engage people. You can tell, talk to them, too, about shared struggles. Look, we have struggles. Just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we're immune from struggling. We're tempted. We have issues in our life. But we can talk about those shared struggles. Because when you struggle and God is holding your hand, it's a totally different event than when you're out there alone. People need to hear this, all right? This is your avenue to talk to them and give them encouragement uh, and let them understand what divine intervention really means. What does it mean to have God intervene in your life? And then there's the invitational method uh, in which you can bring to people uh, to Jesus. And the invitational method is you start a spiritual conversation and then you invite them to some event. Maybe it's a concert. Maybe even church, maybe even a, a Bible and life group or a study group. Some event that is well done. And let me reaffirm this, well done. Don't invite them to something that is poorly done. Because the world really waits to see something that is not, poor, not rightly done, and then they'll walk away. But instead, when they see the excellence of Christ prepared in a high way, in a terrific way, they're, they're drawn to that, and they see that that is why everything that we do in church, we bow before God, but we want to do it on a high level. We don't just go and, and speak off the top of our head. We study and prepare, and we, I'm so happy about our choir that we have talented people who are devoting themselves. We just don't get up and sing. We practice. We look at the songs. We have talented people who have given their lives. Everything that's being done here is done in an elevated state to honor God. That's why you can bring people here, and you will never hear me insult them or their background or where they came from. I will never do that. I'll make that promise to you. Believe me. Uh, and that's the reason why the Monday morning Bible study has meant from every denomination in Naples, every denomination in Naples. And then what do I say to the men on Monday? I never say to them that your church is not right that your church is not following God, what I say to them is go back and make your church better. Make your church better. Elevate the people in your church. That's the message of what God wants us to do. And that's what it's about. And so we want to, and when we invite people, we want it to be an uplifting experience, something special uh, in such a special way. And so God wants us to do this in a, in a very important way. Now look, God has made this very clear to us about our responsibility to speak about the nature of our faith. Look at 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone 
who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Can I get an amen, church? You understand? Always be prepared. Now, I spent a lot of my life not being prepared, just walking through the world, not being prepared to give the message of what God has given me. Why? Because I just figured that people weren't interested. I didn't think that God expected me to do that. I thought that that was only evangelists and missionaries that had to do that. And that is so wrong. Because when you study the Bible, you see it clearly. Always, always be prepared to give an answer to people for the reason that you have hope in your heart. Why do you have hope? Why do you know that if you die today, you'd be in heaven in one second? Why do you have that assurance? Why do you walk in your life and have this glow of happiness about you? Because you know that every step that you take has been blessed by God. It doesn't mean that you won't have sadness. It doesn't mean that you won't have difficult times, but God will direct your path. And people need to know that. And so there it is, understanding that. Look also in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4. Again, another divine imperative on this issue. Preach the word. And by the way, folks, this is not meant for preachers. All right? This is meant for you. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Being surrounded in love. Demonstrating what our faith is about affirming people and caring for people, loving for people. And so this becomes important for us to understand how God wants us to live and how God wants us to carry the faith, how God wants us to be the messenger. This is the the essence of this three-part series. God is calling you to be his messenger. Every single one of you, not one of you, has an exception. All of you are called for this. And so there's four points Four points to consider in delivering the message to people. And you make sure that you do this because it's important as you talk to people that you get these points down. First, God. Who is God? What are the characteristics to emphasize here about God? He is loving. He is the creator of the universe. He is absolutely holy. He repudiates sin. He is absolutely pure and separates himself from everything that is impure. This is an important message to give. And if you want to understand and give people an understanding of who God is and how holy he is, you might make a chance to take a look at Leviticus chapter 16. Because if you read Leviticus chapter 16, you're going to see the first time the Day of Atonement was given to the Jewish people. And what they had to do to atone for their sins on that day. What did God expect them to do? And it was a period of 24 hours in which there were numerous ritual washings and animal sacrifices over and over again, in which ultimately a goat was taken and taken out into the wilderness and released for for the carrying of sins into the future. And a lamb, a perfect lamb, would be slain. And after all this, all this that went on hour after hour after hour, uh, because that's what God demanded in his holiness. Uh, And when he did that, finally the high priest could go into the holy of holies. 
but it was so important that he be ritually cleansed that they would put bells on the bottom of his robe. Because if he were not properly cleansed and did not properly atone for his sins, if he walked into the Holy of Holies, he would be struck dead. Struck dead. And the only way the people would know that is that they wouldn't hear the bells ringing. That's how holy God is. And so when you talk about God, you also need to let them know that he's the creator of the universe. And you, you remember what Paul said in Romans about none of us is without excuse because we are surrounded by the confirmation of who God is. Look up in the sky. Look at the moon. Look at the sun. Look at the planets. It's like this carefully arranged mechanical contraption where every single heavenly body slides around each other in a perfect order, all perfectly aligned so that earth would be the one place in the universe which would have oxygen and nitrogen and hydrogen in a perfect environment set exactly the right distance from the sun with a moon hanging hundreds of thousands of miles away so that tides could take place so that humanity could exist. Your God created that. All right? Don't let people say, well, I know it was probably an explosion. Really? That would be like saying there was an explosion in a jewelry store and a Rolex watch appeared out in the lawn. I mean, do you realize how nonsensical this is? But people don't think. You understand? They don't think. They don't drill down on this. And so God wants you to do this to people. He wants you to focus their attention. Look, think, look at what God has done. See what nature has done. See what, what is revealed by the very uh, nature of God and, and the universe around it. It speaks. It is the evidence of who he is. That's who our God is. And I just gave you about 10 different sound bites that each one of you can adapt in your own way and be prepared to use it. And secondly, secondly, us. That's important when you want to talk to people. Us. What about us? When God first created us, he created us perfectly. We believe that. The Bible tells us that in the Garden of Eden. He, he, he created us without sin. We were never intended to die. God expected us to be there forever, and yet sin came into our heart. It contaminated our very DNA, and as a result of that, we now have the death penalty because we, as a human species, bowed to sin. That was not how God created us. Uh, and so, as a result of that sin, we now experience both physical and spiritual death. Talk to them about what that means. They understand physical death, but nobody's ever explained to them spiritual death, all right? And spiritual death, as far as I'm concerned, is far worse than physical death. There's your chance to speak about it. Be prepared to talk about it. How those people who don't accept Jesus are not going to be with God. Plain and simple. And here's the deal. It's not your opinion. The Bible tells us. Jesus has told us, all right? Always differentiate these things, all right? I always prepare as if someday I would be called on a television show, you know, uh, Larry King. I'm waiting for Larry King to call me. And I expect Larry to say to me someday, John, John, you know, you're a reasonable guy. You're an intelligent guy. You were a lawyer, all right? You were successful in the world. You, you, John, here, look at me, John. Am I going to hell, John? 
Tell me the truth. Am I going to hell? Larry, it's not for me to say. All I can say, Larry, is what this book says and what Jesus says. And what Jesus said is that any person that does not accept him is not going to be with the Father. Case closed. Okay? I'm not a hypocrite. This isn't my opinion. Maybe I would come up with a different philosophy. But I don't have the opportunity to do this. I'm not God. I'm not Jesus, and neither are you. And so that's how we differentiate ourselves as we talk about this. And so we are totally separated from God, and you need to be able to make sure you get that message across, uh, that we are morally bankrupt. Third, third, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Now you have to talk to them again in sound bites. Jesus Christ, both God and man, who, who was sent by God, who God bankrupted heaven to send Christ to this world in order that Christ would have the flesh of a man and walk as a man so that someday he would be that perfect sacrifice to die on a cross for us. Because only a perfect sacrifice would be accepted by a just God, the God who is defined in Leviticus 16. All right? Those natures, those covenants haven't changed. God is a holy God. And so here he is, Jesus, the perfect substitute, died in your place. And he gives you a free gift. This is the part that people have to understand. What does it mean to be saved? It means that you have accepted Christ as your personal Savior. You repent of your sins. You say to God, God, forgive me for what I've done. God, I need you. I have a black hole in my heart that only you can fill. And let's understand something, folks. All right? There's two parts of understanding repentance. The first part is bowing to God and asking him to wash you. The second part is asking Jesus to come into your life. You understand? All right? Otherwise, it's what Bonhoeffer calls cheap grace. All right? Cheap grace, meaning it's grace that didn't account for anything. But we know that this grace that we have was costly because it cost Jesus Christ to go on the cross. And so this is what you need to understand. And, and here's a chance, if you can, when you do this, you can, you can talk about the fact that we have Scripture on this. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. It's on the board. Who, talking about Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's your Jesus. That's your Jesus. This is the, this is the man who was God and came to earth and put all his prerequisites aside and yet bowed and washed the feet of his disciples in love. That's who Jesus is. This is the man who died on the cross for your sins. This is the man who you have to accept. God made it very clear. If you don't accept Jesus, you will not be able to share eternity with God. That's the message. Be clear. Be concise. But be succinct. And then, then forth, you. And you have to talk to people about you. What is the you in it? Well, the you in it is that you're only saved when you say yes to the gift of Jesus. This free gift only exists in reality when you say yes. 
You can have intellectual knowledge. You can have philosophical knowledge. But until you say in your heart, Lord Jesus, I accept you. You're my Lord and Savior. Come in and take my heart. When that happens, at that moment, God reaches across eternity and seals you with the Holy Spirit. You talk about what it means to be sealed with the Holy Spirit, meaning God implants a part of himself in you. That for the rest of your life, you'll have that part in your life. And so a personal response is essential. You need to tell people, okay? They need to personally do this. You can't do it for them. And you don't have to have any special words or any special prayer. Really, I know that there are churches that do this and, and drill that down. You can make it very simple. All you have to say is you just need to say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for what I've been, Lord. Take up residence in my life. From this day forth, Father, you are my Lord and Savior, and I will follow you forever. And when you say that, you can tell them that their sins have been forgiven forever. And that they will be in heaven with Jesus Christ. And that the Holy Spirit will begin to change their life. This is what you want to be able to tell people. That's what this is about. That's why we've done this series and I want to drill it down to you. Now, here's the thing. Some of you may actually have uh, an opportunity, an opportunity uh, to talk about Bible verses. And some of you have. You have that chance. And so the thing is, it's not about being religious. Let me, let me reiterate that. This is not about being religious. You need to tell people because there will be people that say, well, I go to church regularly. You know, I'm a part of a denomination. But the question is, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Has he taken up residence in your heart? And you'll be surprised how many people will confess to you and say, well, really, no, I never did that. I thought that was just for you Baptists. And the question is, no, it's not for just Baptist. It's for Catholics. It's for Lutherans. It's for Presbyterians. It's for every single denomination. Because the Bible doesn't recognize denomination. The Bible only recognizes those people who are accepted uh, by Jesus Christ. And so you can use the Bible when you get in a relationship with some of these people. You can use the Bible to advance these things. And here's some verses, very simply, that you can have ready to be able to do it. And you can memorize these verses, Romans 3, 23. You're going to take them on the Roman road. That's what this is called, the Roman road. And Paul's going to lead you and tell you how to do this. Uh, and and in, this, in this passage, Roman, Romans 3, 23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How about that? All have sinned. There is no perfection. There's not one person in this world who has not sinned except Jesus Christ. That's it. And so you begin with that. Then you can go to Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. How about that? There it is. Sin means death, but when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have eternal life forever. And then you can finish up with John 14, uh, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not you saying it, Larry King. It's not me giving you my philosophy. It's Jesus Christ who said it. And when the man who walked out of a tomb 
three days later and walked on this world for 40 days and there were 500 eyewitnesses who walked with him for 40 days and eventually saw him being carried up into heaven. You know what? That's good enough for me. All right? That's good enough for me. And it should be good enough for the world as well. Good enough for the world in every possible way. And so here's the thing. That when you got done and, and, and you do this, I want you to be prepared. There will be barriers and roadblocks. This isn't going to be easy. Not every person is going to open up their hearts and, and want to hear the message that you're going to hear. Uh, and there will be intellectual and philosophical roadblocks. There will be misconceptions, misconceptions about who Jesus is and what he's done. All right, and you'll see that. Some people will say that Jesus wasn't an actual figure. Well, that's a lie because secular historians readily admit that Jesus is a regular figure, a historical figure. And so we understand that. Uh, and so then some people are going to say this. They're going to say, you know what? Here's the problem. If I become a Christian, I'm going to have a lousy life. Have you heard that? I'm going to have a boring life. All those fun Friday nights and Saturday nights, they're out the door. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to be able to go there. All those friends that I had, I'll have to get all new friends. Yeah, and you know what? That's a blessing right there in itself because you do need new friends. You need new friends. And so here's the thing. Here's the irony. You're going to have to give people the truth, and that is that your life has never been better since you've walked with Christ. Never. You're not afraid of dying. You're not afraid of bad news. You're not worried about tomorrow because you know that Christ holds you in his hand. God holds you. Nothing is going to happen to you that he is not revolving around. You're not an accident waiting to happen like the rest of the world. He's assured you of that, and he puts that peace in your heart. And I understand it. I know that they're going to point to some poor examples of Christians, and there's plenty of them around. You know, people that have been legalistic and will have a list of do's and don'ts, all right? And when that happens, who people say, who, I don't want to be involved with a church like that. Well, let me tell you flat out, you'll never see legalism in this church. I repudiate it, just as Jesus repudiated it with the Pharisees. Here's the thing. You need to tell people how your life was changed forever when you came to Christ. All right, and I understand that many of us don't have the, the uh, Paul on the road to Damascus experience, but every one of you has a better life today than you had it before you accepted Jesus Christ. All right, and then if you want, you can talk about Paul as the iconic example of what it means a person who was so totally sold out for evil to destroy the nascent Christian church destroy it, imprison people, and yet Paul, on the road to Damascus, met Jesus face to face, and his life would never be the same. How he would go all over the world, even when he was in prison, and preach about Christ. How does this happen? It only happens through Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our life. And so here's the third part of this, when you understand barriers and understand this. People will raise intellectual roadblocks. You know what they're going to say to you? Well, you know what? I'm troubled about science because really I think that science repudiates what you say and, and, and you need to have an answer for that. Don't duck it. And my responsibility would be that no, science was created by God. You understand? Science was created 
by God. When he created the universe, God created all the scientific laws that there were. And so as we walk with Christ, we understand this. And so if you're not in a position where you can explain things away scientifically, you're not able to do that, you should be able to refer people to books because there are outstanding books written by such people as you, Ross, the astrophysicist who studies the effect of the universe, ties it into the Bible, or Norman Geisler, that great theologian, or Ravi Zacharias, or Lee Strobel. That's the great example right there. Lee Strobel, who was not a Christian until he investigated whether or not Jesus was for real and was prepared to write a story that said he was a phony, he was a fake, and instead when he got done writing the story, he became a committed Christian and today is a pastor of a large church. Only Jesus Christ does that. Only God does that. So don't walk away. Don't be afraid of these things. Be the kind of person that invites them and loves these people and, and encourages them. This is the essence of why God has called you to be a Christian. This is why you sit in this seat. You're not just here to hear a good message or be entertained by music. You are being here because God is feeding you to prepare you to go out that door and once you walk out that door throughout the streets of this town, throughout the streets of all the cities in America, you will be a walking, talking evangelist for Jesus Christ. That's the nature of the call on our life. That's what this is about. And so I hope I've inspired you. I hope that today is the first day of the rest of your life as you recognize what the call of God is on your life. And I understand it. You're, you're saying right now, John, I can't do it like you can do it. But you know what? That's okay. You ask God to give you the ability to think properly, to give you the courage to speak. And he will. He will be with you. He will lift you up. He will encourage you. And you will have people brought to you who need to hear it. God will bring people to you who need to hear this message. It's an important message, church. This is what God wants from us. It's not simple, but it's what he expects. Let's rise and close this message. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this message, Father. I thank you for your direction in our life. I thank you for the fact that you're calling us to partner with you, Father. How humbling it is for us, mere humanity, to recognize that you have called us to partner with you to spread the message of Jesus Christ and the gospel of our Lord. Father, we are humbled. And so, Father, I ask you today that as our church hears this message, that it resonate in their heart, that they be empowered to go out from those doors and have their lives changed forever as they reach out to people who are desperate for this message. Lord, bring these people to us. Help us, Lord, to articulate this message. Give us the strength to succinctly talk about these issues so that we can impact a, a, a world that is lost. Bless our people, Father, in every possible way. Protect them and bring them back next week, Father, especially as we celebrate your great commitment to us, the Lord's Supper, Father. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And we are adjourned, church. God bless you.